welcome to the evening jumps. Uh, trying to think if I got something new for y'all. I uh, I went to Toronto this weekend, and I gotta say, something a little disappointing happened when I went to Toronto. They don't give you no stamp. Y'all know that? They don't give you no stamp, apparently, when you go from the U.S. to Canada. And I'm not like a super like stamp hunter. I ain't been that many places. You know, I don't pretend as though I'm the supreme world traveler. Um, but I ain't going to lie, man. The stamp kind of feel cool. And so I, like, I was leaving out of Canada, and they gave me some receipt or something like that. And I took the receipt and I handed it to the man and I see him break out the stamp and then he stamped the receipt. And I'm like, don't you want to stamp this passport so people can know that I'm balling? How they going to know I'm balling? Like I was over there. I went to Europe last summer. I went to Portugal and I caught a bus to Spain. And I remember I got and this, this is actually a true story. I got off the bus in Seville. And I thought you had to like, you know, I knew you was in the indie little Europe thing or whatever, but I thought, you know, you had to go holler at somebody. And so I like stood in there for like 15 minutes because I was afraid to leave the station without somebody checking my ID because I'm black. And so like if somebody's supposed to be looking at my ID, I like to make sure everybody knows that I'm where I'm supposed to be. But then after it happened, I was like. How are people supposed to know I was in Spain? If I ain't getting no stamp. And you know, part of what's wild about the stamp part, the stamp thing. Like, who be looking at your passport? Like, I ain't about to be putting any part of my passport up on the internet. It, like, it, that's got any, uh, anything in it. Like, I've done it before because I got a new passport. It was, like, super thick in case I was going to go all over the world all the time. And I'm never going to fill up all those stamps. Uh, like, the room for it or whatever. But, now nah, I live a different life at this point. I ain't doing that. So, like, I'm the only one that know. And I just be looking at my passport and I'm like, yeah, I went to Spain. But how are you supposed to know that? Because I ain't got no stamp. Guy says here, my dad has all his passports and he can barely think. But we traveled the world again via his passports. And I'm not going to lie. I misunderstood this at first. And rather than saying that you could go through his passports and see all the stops and then you kind of like, you know, go through it in your head. I thought you were saying that you'd be taking your old man's passport and then you travel around the world. And I was about to be like, son, they'll put you in jail for a long time for that. I mean, here it says China stamps your passport coming and going. The EU does that too. Like anytime I've gone to Europe, wherever you go in and wherever you go out, that's where they give you that stamp. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to move on to your questions. Without no stamp. So you don't care about the people who doubted you. All right. So for those of you who are unaware of this, this thing was going around on the Twitters about like name the person who doubted you or something like this. And I mean, all these people were piping up with their answers. They remember everybody who ever doubted them. And they like, yeah, I wish I could say their name out loud, but I can't because of professional relationships and stuff like that. Like people really give a lot of thought to these people who doubted them. And I got to say, at least for me and myself personally, I just don't recall that many people doubting me. Like I got people who have fired me 
who didn't doubt me. I got people who have fired me who absolutely did doubt me also, like just to be clear. But yeah, it's some people out here who have doubted me. You know what else is out here? A lot of people that I doubt. Like this is the game. You know, and I would think, at least for myself, that a lot of the people that I'm aware of who doubted me, because for me to be aware of the fact that you doubted me probably implies a certain level of closeness in the relationship for us to like be in this place or have this conversation or whatever it is. But like they had a point very often in it. So there ain't really much that I'm doing now or that I've done in the past that has been about like trying to prove myself to people who, quote unquote, doubted me. No, like that's really not in my wiring. And I know for a lot of people, that is what fuels them, which is proving people wrong. Um, the pressure in my life, whatever that pressure may be, for me personally, I can't speak for the rest of y'all, but for me personally, was a lot more about proving people right than it was about proving people wrong. Like when I failed out of graduate school, I did have a concern that, I had proven like my parents and everybody who loved me and anybody who knew me wrong. Cause we had just all believed that I could do anything and who knows, maybe I still could do that, but I didn't. And so the didn't part matters more than the could. And I had a little shakiness about that as it happened. But then I came out of that and I realized I still had the respect of the people whose opinions really matter. I had the respect of the people I went to school with. I had respect of my family. Like nobody treated me different after that. It wasn't like me failing that qualifying exam and I failed like the qualifying exam of life. That wasn't what it was. And so, yeah, um, I actually remember uh, when ESPN did not renew my contract in 2007 when I worked for ESPN.com. I remember I was talking to somebody about it, a very prominent sports writer. And he told me that if he was me, He'd be going to Yahoo or somebody else to show ESPN that they were wrong. And I didn't for a moment really care about proving them wrong. And I think in part because I don't think they spent a moment like thinking that I was that they were right or wrong. Like it wasn't really going to do anything. At least not for me. Like maybe this kind of thing does something for y'all. Like I can just say for me personally, it, it don't it doesn't do it. It's not that's not what fuels me. And I worry about people that it does fuel because um, I just feel so empty. You know what I mean? Like if you're driven, if you're driven by proving these people wrong, man, these people don't even remember this stuff. And if they are wrong, all they're going to say to you is, damn, guess I was wrong. You know, and keep it moving. Like one of the guys that was in on that decision and never knew my contract in 2007, I saw him like three years later, like after my shit started popping. Um, and we talked about it and the way he looked at it, them letting me go, put me in a position to do these better things. Like he looked at it like he was doing me a favor. It wasn't going to happen. And I believe I have told you guys this story. This is, you know, I don't even know if the people associated with this place know this story, but this is what it is. Um, when I was in Raleigh, I uh, did a daily radio show called The Three Hour Lunch Break, and I did a Saturday show called Sports Saturday. Me and my buddy Shannon did that. Uh, anyway, the story goes, I just found out that I had, like, an amazing ratings book, and I was about to walk in and ask for a raise, 
And the day that I planned to ask for a raise, they told us that the station was being sold. And then that night I read a press release about a show that was going to air in my time slot. Yeah, man, it was hard. It was a rough turn, man. Like that was a real, 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 real rough turn. But anyway, it was another radio station and I had reason to believe that they might want to hire me to do a little weekend work. And then nobody ever called me back. So when I started doing around the horn, they gave me a couple options for studios and they named one. And I knew that that one studio was in the same location as these people who did not hire me. And so I'm like, yeah, I want to go to that studio. Yeah, they're going to see me. I'm on TV now. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, right? Anyway, um, I go to that studio, and I did all of my Around the Horn appearances in Raleigh at that studio. You want to know why that studio is right next to that radio station? Because they're owned by the same people. So, yeah, I showed them. You know what else I showed them? So much money. I showed them so much bread. If I was you, I wouldn't worry about them people. That's just me. I get no. I really don't get satisfaction out of that. But I'm like, that's just kind of my wiring. I don't get satisfaction out of vengeance. I don't really get much satisfaction about out of other people feeling bad. Like if we playing basketball or some sort of game, we talking shit or something like that. Okay, cool. Um, but come on, man. No. So yeah, people have doubted me. But again, I have to be honest about this. I understand that for some of you, this may come across as me being a little self indulgent. But this is the honest truth. I ain't the type that people doubt. I'm not. I am talented in an uncommon way, and I am talented in a way that people notice right away. That is a statement of fact. So as a result, I don't really have people doubt me. Now, what I have had is like in radio, um, people who doubt that, like white folks will like me. And it's always interesting when that happens because it's always some white person who does like me, who's afraid that the other white people will not be able to like me, which is in effect, less them doubting me and more of them doubting the people. I mean, that's about it. Like I said, when I flunked out of school, I guess you could say they doubted me and I doubted it too. So, I mean, that worked out like they're not, they weren't necessarily wrong. Like sometimes people need to be real about this too. Sometimes when people doubt you, they right. They right. Like, which one of you motherfuckers is beyond being doubted? Right? Like, which one of y'all is so cold that there's no room for anybody to doubt you? Anybody? I, I want to know this. Because I feel like if you that cold, that nobody should have the audacity to doubt you, you should be making more money. Am I wrong? Like, if you so bulletproof, that how dare anybody see something that you're doing and be like, nah, I don't think you can do that, right? If that is like such an audacious sort of thing for somebody to say to you, if that is such a violation, I feel like you should be making more money, right? So like my TV show starts. We had our one-year anniversary on the day of this year recording, right? There are certainly people who weren't sure 
that this television show would work. There are people who are not sure, probably, that this television show is working, right? Those people exist. I imagine some of those people might work at the company that I work for. Like, that's just the nature of the game. They doubt that. All right, what I'm going to do? I'm just keep doing a damn television show. <laughs> like, that's it. If it happens, it happens, whatever it is. But, like, I ain't going into work every day like, yeah, I'm going to show y'all. How the hell am I going to make the television show better by doing that? What I'm going to prove to them? How? Like, what technique? What, 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 what am I going to do that's going to prove something to them? And when I do prove it to them, do you think they are going to care even 10% as much as you do about proving this stuff to them? So, hey, man, look. If that's what you need in order to keep on pushing, if that's the thing that gets things done for you, then, hey, you go ahead. I just believe that once you accomplish whatever this sort of thing helps you accomplish, it ain't really going to be that satisfying to you unless you were always doing it for yourself in the first place. And if you was always doing it for yourself in the first place, what you need them for? Like, I know me. I'm not really trying to deal with what the opinions of others are. I am trying to do, like, get to the upper bounds of what I think I can do. Now, coincidentally, I also believe that the upper bounds of what I can do could ultimately produce some incredible things. I don't think I'm at the upper bound of it. I don't, I mean, I think there's room to go. Like, I think I can certainly get better at this. Uh, but I think that if I were to get, like, as good as I could at this, ain't really no worried about, ain't no really worry about no doubting going to be taking place. That's it. So for me, nah, doubt is not gas. I just don't care that much about what y'all think. Like, honestly, if I care enough about what you think that the fact that you doubt me registers, that means I care enough about what you think for me to actually, like, think about it and be like, yeah, you know what? I thought about what you were saying, but I'm going to keep on doing this. Like, that's how close you'd have to be to me for me to, like, really care about the fact that you doubt me that I would have to take that as something that hurt, but something that I had to consider. All right. Now, the question for you is, it's part of the reason why people doubt you bother you so much is because they make you consider it. And if these are people that you don't care about and these are people that you don't really know, ask yourself why exactly it is that you are considering it so much. Like, I mean that. So you do what you do. Like somebody got mad at me and said, I was like, like he didn't like the idea that I was acting like anybody that is fueled by slights is a small person. I mean, you may not necessarily be a small person, but I think you'd have to admit that that is a very small thing to do. Right? Like you are at the very least not bigger than that. And I personally, like, I don't think that you have to be a big person to be bigger than the bullshit. And that's all I'm out here advocating for is to be bigger than the bullshit. Like, actually, the more I think about this, it makes me wonder, like, how this runs in line with the way that people, like, perceive my behavior on the Internet, which is to say, I got people who pop off at me all the time and I go back with them sometimes because I just feel like it. It is a not uncommon assumption, though, that like I am mad or that these people are getting to me. Like it was actually funny. I was talking to uh, Katie Nolan once, and she said that before she met me, she saw me on the internet, and she just figured I was just mad all the time. And then she said she met me, and she was like, "Oh wait, this doesn't bother him at all. Like not even a little bit." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. Like that's what it is." But I think that for most people, getting popped off to like that by strangers is going to bother them. 
because those strangers are, in effect, doubters. You know what I mean? And so for them, the going back and forth with them to them is like an indicator that they have gotten to you because they are inclined to care about what these strangers think. I am not. Now, there, I mean, I'm not, look here, let's be clear. There are people whose opinions I do care about. Like, I'm not pretending for a moment that there is are not people where what they say or what they think matters to me. Like, what my dad thinks matters to me. What a lot of my close friends think matters. Not all, but what a lot of my close friends think. Like, that matters to me, you know? Um, but y'all, the rest of y'all, you must be high. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. I remember a while ago you agreed with a tweet that was about a teacher banning all electronics during his lectures. Your rationale was that the act of taking notes on paper would better enhance your knowledge. I would be going to law school in the fall, and I assume my note-taking will be much more extensive than an undergrad. So would you still endorse handwriting over typing out notes, even with the speed disadvantage versus my peers? Let me ask you this question about taking notes as you talk about the speed disadvantage of your peers. How much do you plan to try to write down? Because you're not supposed to be writing down that much stuff in the first place. Like if I were to recommend something to you in terms of note taking, and I want to be clear, I don't have the discipline to be great at study skills type stuff, but I do know some things about it. What you need to be doing, you're supposed to have read before you got to class, right? So what you should be doing is walking in with your own notes from doing the reading and then supplementing your notes with what you are getting from the lecture. But if you are trying to write down so much information from taking notes that you're worried that you don't have an advantage in speed, you are writing down way too much stuff like you are trying to take in basically every bit of information the professor has given you and that's not what it's supposed to be in fact in trying to do that you are going to be focusing more on the transcription than you are on the actual discussion and so the notes are going to be things that when you read them you're basically going to be checking them out for the first time because you're not going to really be paying attention on top of that having that computer open and on the internet and everything else with all our sets of habits and the likes, you're not going to pay that much attention either. There's a good chance that what you would be better off doing, like if that's what you want to do, you know, if you really want to have all those notes, then record the lecture. Like, I think that like when I'm saying no electronics, I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to like record with your phone record the lecture go back later and check it write down a little bit at the time as you're going but i don't think having a laptop open given the attention spans that we have developed because of these electronics i don't believe that's going to be very helpful for you appreciate the question let me see what else we got here how do you stay motivated to be at your best honestly it's pretty simple. What else am I supposed to do? Like, seriously, what else am I supposed to do? I go to work every day. I'm there. Right? Like, once I'm there, if I got to do the show, why am I not going to do it as well as I can? 
And, by the way, on top of it, my job is televised. If I am not at my best, y'all going to see it. I'm not here for that. No, sir, Rebob. But no, whatever I got to do, I got to do. And I don't know. I don't think there's anything I've done. Um, I No, let me rephrase that. Once I got a better handle on what working hard was and what my best could be, then that was the only thing I was ever going to do. Maybe it's just pride. I don't know. Appreciate the question. We got here now. Thoughts on Lil Nas X success. Trey, I happen to like you because you come in all the time. That's the only reason I'm actually indulging this thoughts question. Um, here's my question for Lil Nas X. You got another song? Like, I guess maybe it's just a matter that this was a slow burn, so you don't want to distract people. But you got another song? Like, I'm kind of surprised that other people ain't, like, dug up what some of his, like, previous songs were. Does he have another song? And also, let me say this, too, for uh, for Lil Nas X. I don't know how long he going to be able to parlay this. And he has parlayed this in ways. Yo, man, he got a Wrangler ad campaign. A Wrangler ad campaign. Wrangler would never call Cam Newton, but they call Lil Nas X, and they got the ones with the Wrangler all over the booty now. All over the booty. All right? Um, he has parlayed this. But it's entirely possible we're not like, this is it. And if it is, that's fine. Because I know where you're going to be able to make some money, son. In 15 or 20 years, you'll be able to do halftime in every NBA arena, people are gonna love bringing you back. It's gonna make them feel like they childhoods. Appreciate the question. I'll go back here. What are some of the ways you motivate yourself? Affirmations, mantras, self care? Not really none of it. I just go to work. It helps me that I have a job that I really enjoy. You know, like, I don't know what I would do if I was doing some of the other gigs that I considered doing at different points. But I have a job that I enjoy a great deal. So it's not hard for me. Like, this is, I'll never be a type to be talking about something that I was born to do. That's a little sketchy. I don't know. Um, but this is what I do. You know, sometimes I get a little bored, but I can't think of what else I'm going to do. Or that pays like this. Like, I could find something else to do, but uh, I got to get this bread before this bread stop. This ain't promise. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got. I almost closed out the window in the web browser. That would have been somewhat disastrous. Why is this not clicking? There we go. So Central Park Five investigator Linda Farstein is a Farstein Farstein. I don't know how to say it anyway. Apologize for falsely accusing those young men. Have you seen the When They See Us Netflix show? Why do you think these boys confess? I have not seen um, Ava's Netflix joint about this. I have not. Um, as many of you guys know, I don't do recreational sadness. Um, and I watched the Ken Burns 
documentary on the Central Park Five when it came out. So I'm pretty familiar um, with the story. So, you know, I know enough. The thing to me is like people talking about whether this woman should apologize for this. Yo, that's so far down on the list. The real issue for me is that it has been well known for a very long time that they got this wrong. And this woman's career like rose as a result of this. It rose as a result of this bogus case. And what I wonder, and I think this is a fair consideration to make, I feel like black prosecutor in that same situation is white boys get jacked up erroneously. They coming to get you, especially if it's some rich white boys. And I know this because I lived in Durham during the Duke lacrosse. They went and they destroyed that man. Not far that, not far this big thing was like collecting guitars. Man, they came and got them guitars from that dude, right? Like they went and made that happen. This woman has just read, written out the, yeah, I think they did it. I mean, just reading it all the way. And it, it's, it's, that's the part that's got to worry you. It's to me, it's so much less about the fact that this woman did this than the fact that she was rewarded for it. And the fact that after it was found out that it was nonsensical, she still got to reap the rewards. You ain't going to be happy with no, I'm sorry. Like if she says, I'm sorry, you're going to be like, yeah, but you still got to keep your job. Now, hold on, let me make sure I'm getting the names right, though. Is Fairstein the same as, like, the woman who was the prosecutor who rose up, or am I mixing my people up as I sit here and talk about how I know the case? Am I mixing it up? Because whoever it was that was that prosecutor that I got to roll on this, it's the same point. It's the same point. Boy, Chrome is spooky. Yeah, okay, so the prosecutor was letterer. Sorry about that. Got my names mixed up. She cashed in on this. Oh, Fairstein ran that office. There we go. We're all together now. Sorry about that. Yeah. Point still remains. As for why those boys confessed, hey, man, them lights is bright. They real bright. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. So my 11-year-old daughter has been looking at apps and websites on her phone that she's not supposed to, mature content. She came to me and told me the truth and showed me all the apps. She said she started looking at them two months ago. How should I handle this? I'm glad she told me, but what do I do? Hey, man, I'm one black dude, not six brown chicks. I don't really know how to help you with this. I don't work in that department. Like, I don't have children. I don't. Woo. Any of y'all got suggestions? I really want to help this man out. Like, I really feel like this is a very difficult situation and how he handles this could affect a lot of things down the line. And he must be really struggling to come up with something if he out here asking me. So, like, I'm not even joking, man. If any of, if any of y'all got some suggestions, please help this man out. My man said it's not funny. Dog, you don't see me laughing, do you? I'm trying to help you. Somebody come through. Anyway, next question. Thoughts about black people not wanting to see the when they see us documentary because it could be traumatic for folks. I haven't seen it yet for that reason. Again, I don't do recreational sadness. 
thoughts. I hate thoughts. Uh, yeah, I don't do recreational sadness. Hey, man, if you don't feel like watching a fucking movie, you really don't have to explain that to anybody. Like, this, like the one thing that does bother me, like, I don't like people who feel like the whole industry of black film is centered around trauma and pain. I mean, I see what you're talking about, but I don't really ride so tough along with that argument. I mean, these the stories of black people, unfortunately, involve a lot of pain because our existence here um, also involves a lot of pain. But the one thing I will always resist is this idea that we out here existed with some obligation to watch every single one of these damn movies or TV shows. Like, if I don't feel like it, I just ain't doing it. I ain't got to defend that. By the way, thanks to everybody that's out here giving my man, like, some real suggestions about how to handle this thing with his daughter and the apps. I can't imagine being a parent in the 21st century. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Have you checked out Anderson Pac live recently? His growth as a performer has been impressive to watch. I went and saw him at Madison Square Garden on Thursday night. Um, it was a very good show. It is not a flawless show. Like I feel like there's some ways that could be tightened up. There's a couple of decisions on what songs to play that they didn't do a great job of. There's also the difficult act of like the show is largely centered around the drum kit. He does a lot where he gets up and leaves the drum kit, but the drum kit is a lot there and you can't have him play anything. You can't, you can't do any song with him on the drums that isn't high energy because otherwise you're asking us to try to pay attention to the drummer. You know what I mean? Like that ain't going to be what it is. Um, and so like trippy, the joint with J Cole, um, he did that from the drum while playing the drums that ain't gonna work Like you can't do that but i tell you this he packed out the garden and had him calling for an encore like his next album release is going to be a really 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 big deal even if you ain't like oxnard he played a lot of oxnard too it kind of bang but uh if you ain't like oxnard ventura got the momentum right back right back but no the dude's good i suggest you check it out you see all the hoopla about being about right. You see all the hoopla about being called "quote unquote" older black women being mad. Okay, what are you saying here? Okay, so it's the thing about calling people auntie. Have millennials and Gen X gone too far? This auntie thing is interesting, right? Because part of what I find interesting about the auntie discussion is I had always assumed that part of what's going on with this auntie thing in a lot of ways is okay so i think the two things that are happening let me be a little clearer one i think there's a group of people who don't mind like someone joking and calling them an auntie because they realize they are growing into that part of their lives like my brother he's 51 and he was talking about how he was on the subway one day he's walking his standard and somebody looked at him and was like would you like uh would you like my seat sir and he realized that like he's at that point right like, he's at that age where that's what it is uh, and so I think for some people, they realize, yo, they looked at what their aunts was back in the day. Yo, that's you now. Right. That's just kind of what it is. And I think that some people look at that with a chuckle. I think for some people, it makes them a bit uncomfortable. Because depending upon how you view yourself, that is them saying that you are old. And that's where the problem comes up. It doesn't matter if you mean it to be endearing. 
It's making them feel old. Like, I think this came up because of Ava DuVernay and something that's worth noting. Ava said on Twitter, all these things that she liked to be called, she doesn't like to be called auntie, which again is her choice. Um, but she spe- specified that she didn't mind being called Miss Ava if the person doing it was under the age of 18. You see what I'm saying? Like, this seems to be about that. Someone said, how do you pronounce it? I mean, auntie, I think in this discussion is how you say it, but I grew up around people who say ain't Like, it means something different when you talk about somebody's ain't How many of y'all got an ain't Like, it's funny. There's auntie, but there's no, there's no auntie. Like, sometimes it's your aunt, but there's no auntie. Right? But there's an ain't but no one says they got an ain't. Just an ain't. Like can be funny sometimes. Appreciate the question. Let's get a couple more of these in. I've been making the podcast a little shorter lately, but it's not like, you know, y'all are paying for this. And I figure it's better I just give you top-notch quality rather than just stretching it out. Someone put in here, when's the last time you called someone auntie ever? Yeah, not really my slang. At first when I read that, I thought you asked the last time somebody called me auntie, and I was trying to figure out what like what that was all about. Been a year since the Yay record dropped. In his discography, that's far and away the stinker, no? You know what's interesting about that record is that it isn't even really a stinker. It's just totally unremarkable. I don't remember anything about it. Anything. Like, I didn't like Yeezus, um, but I remembered it at least. I don't remember anything about this last Kanye album. I think I listened to it twice and kept it moving. Appreciate the question. With the one-year anniversary of Story of Adidon passing, do you think diss tracks will still have the same effect in today's world? Push your body, Drake, but dude still had a number one album and song a couple of weeks later. Uh, so one thing I do think that my generation is greatly overstated is the consequences of losing a battle. And there are certainly some people who lost battles and lost their careers, um, but not as much as we'd say. Like it was like not every battle was a loser leaves town match. How many people have like gotten ice cube in a battle? Shit, man, we talking about people having Q walk around with security. He thought he was going to get jacked up on the streets. Everything kept rolling for Q. Everything did. Right? Like, Q bodied NWA. NWA didn't shrivel up and then go away and disappear. Common and Cube had a beef. Most of us think Common won that. Cube still survived. No, he said only Common truly got Cube. Nah, be real got Cube. Uh, I feel like Cam, woo, woo. He, he, he got him. He got him. Somebody said Cannabis lost his career in that battle, and that's not true. Yep. Cannabis did not lose his career in the battle. Cannabis lost his career because that album stunk. Now, Ja Rule, yeah, it didn't go so well for him after that battle. But you know who else it didn't really go that well for after that? 50 Cent. Like the era, like Ja Rule. You got to remember that that 50 Cent Ja Rule thing is in like 03. We get become aware of Ja Rule in like 
98. And he still kept it pushing to like 05 or 06. Like, this was not going to be something that was going to make Drake vanish or that was going to make Drake disappear. Jay-Z survived. Y'all, like, the consensus has come that Jay-Z lost that battle. I don't agree, but it don't matter, right? Jay-Z did not disappear after that happened. Like, who else? Who else we got? Like, did the bridges over end MC Sand's career? Somebody said T.I. ended two careers. I mean, shoddy low, I guess. Who else? Who else did T.I. Who else did T.I. end? Yeah, Mob Deep. 50 came back to life twice. And I'm not sure he ended Lil Flip's career as much as Lil Flip just went back to doing stuff in Houston. But how about this? Ludacris got T.I., didn't end his career. Remember that? Yeah. Meek, he's back. You say Meek was gone for a minute. Yeah, but I mean, everything's okay. I mean, granted, he had to go to jail for it. But yeah, Mob Deep. Um, Tupac killed him. Jay killed him. They came back both times. Now, it also happens that they hit Tupac with a heater, um, even though it was on the album after Tupac died. Um, but, you know, it's a little bit of a different game. But yeah, let's stop pretending as though nobody has ever lost a battle and still had a successful um, career. The other thing with Drake, though, is the people who love Drake and have made Drake what he is don't really care if he loses a battle. They care if he won the battle, but none of them were going to care that he lost because they were just going to go back to, well, that ain't really what he do anyway. Appreciate the question. Let me see. How do you keep a family beef going? Or is this a sign I haven't gotten over the issue at hand? I don't know. Family beef I got, it just goes for itself. I ain't really got to keep it going. It does it on its own. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got here. Was that the first time you've seen Obama in person? Was everyone around him as thirsty as Pablo and Wilbon? No, that is not the first time I've seen Obama in person. I saw Obama at a town hall event the undefeated did in Greensboro a couple of years ago. Ooh, that's a story I'll write for the memoirs. But anyway, for a second, I thought Obama saw me and recognized me. And then I remembered who I was standing next to. And he was like, Doug Williams, Doug Williams, great quarterback. So there's that. Um, was I as thirsty as Pablo and Wilbon? No. And if you're wondering why I wasn't as thirsty as Pablo and Wilbon, the answer to that is pretty simple. They like Obama more than I do. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Somebody in here asking how much is too much to pay for a haircut. You're clearly asking the wrong person, buddy. I got no idea what the price of that is these days. So it's like a delay between when I talk and when things come up in the chat room. And I can never tell just what y'all are laughing at. Somebody asked, do I think 3,000 and Big Boy will ever get back together? Yeah, I like to hang out. Ain't about to make no album, though. You think, I, you think Andre... You think Andre about to sit around and like stay in one place long enough to make a record? Let's see what else we got here. Ooh, running low. You know what? Quill, where you here, baby? Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones.
We do this thing here every week. So my man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, remember, if you can't watch the Even Jones Live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at Google Play. And uh, talk to you guys a little later. Take it easy.